Welcome to Cabal Theory. This is our first midweek update. My name is Skyler. And I'm Alina. Uh, lately, the news cycle's just been moving at ludicrous speed. Uh, by the time Sunday rolls around, we just Let's don't have time started. to talk about all the stories we want to get to. In these midweek updates, we will be focused completely on headlines from the present week and do little reading and analysis. Uh, Stephen Castle, a pastor from an Illinois church, filed a lawsuit in federal court last Thursday. The lawsuit alleges that Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker's stay-at-home order intentionally denigrated Illinois churches and pastors of people of faith by relegating them to second-class citizenship. Uh, this week, a federal judge upheld the governor's stay-at-home order. Pastor Castle was quoted as saying, quote, You cannot minister to a person's heart and provide for their spiritual needs and the needs of their soul by being electronically distanced. I think what he meant to say was they're less likely to throw in tithings if they're electronically distanced. <laughs> Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday, the New York Times reported that 15 children had been hospitalized in New York City with a mysterious syndrome that doctors, quote unquote, do not yet fully understand. The New York City Health Department, in a memo, referred to the syndrome as pediatric multisystem inflammatory syndrome potentially associated with COVID-19. A GoFundMe page set up for the Navajo Nation and Hopi Reservation, one of the communities hardest hit by the global COVID-19 pandemic, has raised just over $2.6 million. From the GoFundMe page, quote, several of our recent donations... Uh, for our GoFundMe campaign have been inspired by the Great Hunger Famine in Ireland, which started in 1845. During this difficult time, in 1847, the Choctaw Nation provided $170 of relief aid to the Irish to help them. Today, that is the equivalent of $5,000. Not long before the Great Hunger Famine in Ireland, 60,000 Native Americans, including the Choctaw people, had suffered through the experience of the Trail of Tears. The death of many people on the Trail of Tears sparked empathy for the Irish people in their time of need. Thus, the Choctaw extended 170 of relief aid. 173 years later to today, the favor is returned through generous donations from the Irish people to the Navajo Nation during our time of crisis. A message from Irish donor Pat Hayes sent from Ireland across the ocean, quote, From Ireland, 170 years later, the favor is returned to our Native American brothers and sisters in your moment of hardship. From Reuters, the Trump from administration Reuters. is Reuters. drafting a legal Reuters. blueprint for mining on the moon under a new U.S. From sponsored Reuters. international Reuters. agreement called the Artemis Accords. The Artemis Accords, named after the National Aeronautics and Space Administration's new Artemis moon legal blueprint, proposed blueprint for mining on the moon that would surround U.S. sponsored international agreement called or interference from rival countries or companies named after the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. Countries that were privy to these discussions include Canada, Japan, and European countries that would survive United. That Arab would surround Emirates. future moon bases Russia, whose rockets to have been sending Americans or inter to space since as nearly as 1995 was not included in the talks. This news comes ahead of a joint SpaceX and NASA, NASA manned mission set to launch on May 27th. So if you could read between the lines, the Reuters, uh, Reuters, the major powers of the planet are discussing how to colonize the moon. Um, mm. And when I say colonize, I mean like, you know, uh, imperialism, colonialism type of colonize. So yeah, that's interesting. Now this next story here, I think this is my personal favorite so far this week. Now, a couple of weeks ago, um, we brought you the story uh, about the U.S. moving its Navy vessels into the area around Venezuela. We said to expect something coming. Well, here it is. Venezuela's government said it foiled a marine incursion on Sunday by, quote, terrorist mercenaries who attempted to enter the country 
from neighboring Colombia. Um, opposition leader Juan Guaido said the government was seeking to distract from recent violent events. Quote, the regime is seeking to divert attention with a supposed incident plagued with inconsistencies, doubts, and contradictions, the press team for Guaido said in a statement. The U.S. State Department on Sunday cast doubt on the official version of events and said it continues to support Guaido, because of course it did. During the arrests, more weaponry and military intelligence equipment was seized by Venezuelan security forces, as well as helmets and uniforms with the U.S. flag and IDs and passports identifying the mercenaries. The U.S.-backed terrorist plot being referred to as, quote, Operation Gideon is still very much underway as of the writing of the script. The operation is believed to be organized, planned, and financed by the Venezuelan opposition and its diverse allies with the objective to assassinate constitutional president Nicolas Maduro and other high-level leaders of the Venezuelan government. Uh, we will be watching this space. The New York Times last Thursday reported that Sudan's new government has outlawed the New York Times last Thursday reported that the United Sudan's Nations new government has outlawed nearly nine in ten Sudanese women. The United Nations as the most invasive form of nearly nine in ten which involves women the partial or total removal of external female genitalia. Which involves Sudanese. partial mutilation is practiced in Sudanese. at least twenty-seven African countries, as well as parts of Asia and the Middle East. Other than Sudan and Egypt, it is most prevalent Times, in Ethiopia, Kenya, Burkina Faso. Nigeria, Djibouti, and Senegal, according to the United Nations Population Fund. This is a step in the right direction, but the book on this is very much open. The fight is still not over. Next, we go to Matt Stibe from New York Magazine. I just had to include this as a shorty. Uh, I'm going to read from the article. On Tuesday, President Trump broke a month-long streak of sheltering in place in the White House to visit a facility in Phoenix, Arizona, where N95 respirators are manufactured. His first venture outside his highly regulated and coronavirus-tested residence could have gone better. At the Honeywell Mask Factory, the president did not wear a mask, uh, because of course he didn't. Um, <laughs> there's some video on Twitter, uh, we'll retweet this from Zach Purser-Brown. There's a photo of Trump uh, giving a thumbs up, wearing safety goggles, um, of course. Uh, no mask. Uh, none of the people in his entourage are wearing masks. However, all the workers in the factory are wearing masks. Our final piece is from the Jacobin. This is titled, If Joe Biden Drops Out, Bernie Sanders Must Be the Democratic Nominee, from Carl Beiger. From the article, a major party's presumptive nominee enmeshed in multiple sexual harassment and assault scandals dropping out months before the general election is the sort of thing that seems like it could never actually happen, until it does. My bet and our bet here on Cabal Theory is still that Joe Biden will power through the uproar over Tara Reid and, the, and accept the Democratic nomination in a few months down the road. Nevertheless, several, several other people have begun to game out what would happen if Biden were to drop out this late in the race. Some of the darker conspiracies imagine an endgame where Andrew Cuomo or Hillary Clinton are installed by the party leaders at the convention. Now, that's been a scenario that's already been openly discussed in uh, in some papers. The billionaire-owned Boston Globe and uh, forms, and you know, Democrats, just as well as Republicans, have no problem openly discussing taking a giant shit on democracy. Um, because as Beiser makes the case for, Bernie should be the clear replacement for Biden in the event that he does not accept the nomination. 
No matter what the media wants to say about who the most, quote, electable person may be, the statistics show that Sanders is the most likely candidate to form a coalition of voters to beat Donald Trump, even more likely than Joe Biden. The fact that Governor Cuomo is even in the discussion is just baffling to me. As Beiser shows, it is impossible for anybody other than Sanders or Biden to win a majority of the convention delegates. But of course, as Beiger points out, the DNC can just make up the rules as they go along. He makes a very clever reference to, quote unquote, Calvin Ball. The convention in 2016 certainly felt like a giant game of Calvin Ball. If you don't know what Calvin Ball is, just Google it. It'll make sense. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if they do it again here, though, but it, it might not be necessary from the article. Quote, of course, they could simply well, declare the first round of voting irrelevant and win the second round and win the second round with behind-the-scenes coordination, just as they coordinated and perhaps by crowning someone who didn't run in the primary. Perhaps by crowning someone who didn't run in the primary. Now, the point of his article is not to get worked up about something that hasn't happened. Cut! It's to remind everybody that Bernie still exists. And just because COVID-19 suspended his campaign, that does not mean that he shouldn't be considered to replace Biden should the need arise. And these were just some of our favorites from this week. Yeah, that's all we got for you today. Um, this Sunday, we're going to be taking a much closer look at the Joe Biden and Tara Reid saga, uh, as well as the way the media is treating this story, as opposed to how they've treated some previous high-profile sexual assault cases. Anyways, um, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.